Well, um, I think the the Western kids are used to some kind of a soft life, if I may call it that. <laughs> While uh, the kids in Kibera have been hardened by life, you know, and uh, and so, um, you know, the thing is, uh, the kids in Kibera start uh, taking responsibility of, of of life at a very early age. Wow. You know, like, uh, for instance, we have families that are headed by kids because you know parents died and so they are left alone and you find a child you know being a dad and mom to uh, their their siblings and you know that's that's hard enough um, I'm not sure how many Australian kids can do that <laughs> <laughs> you are not attached to things but you are attached to people which for me is is, is the greatest thing. Yeah. You know, because then when you are attached to people, that's how you build a community. Yeah. And that community is what most people yearn for. Yeah, yeah and I think that's, that's the biggest uh, problem that we have in the world, uh, if I may say that, uh, where people are so focused on wanting more and forgetting to be grateful for the little that they've got. For what they have. For what they have. Yeah. And I think the moment we appreciate what we've got, yeah. you know, that in itself is a catalyst to getting more. Yeah. Because uh, you cannot just be focused on getting more and you forget, yeah. uh, you know, that there's this little that you've got that you never had in the first place and, yeah. you know, just be grateful for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's the old story, whatever more you get, you're not taking it to the grave. No, you're not. <laughs> and the more you get, the more you want. That's interesting. Yeah. The more you get, yeah. the more you want. Absolutely. It's almost like there's no end to the want for more. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, dear people, guess what? Yes, you've joined yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie, and thank you ever so much for your beautiful patronage. I'm going to mention a place in the world that perhaps you've never, ever heard of. Um, the name is Kybera. Uh, Thomas Nywea, you are my guest today, yeah. and you know Kybera very, very well. Very well. Yeah. Where is Kibera? Uh, Kibera is in uh, East Africa, Kenya, uh, in the Kenya's capital city, Nairobi. Wow, dear people, are you listening yeah. to this voice over here? Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a guest from Kenya, uh, East Africa, and he does know Kibera very, very well. Yeah. I know Kibera very well, and I know this beautiful man, absolutely terrific human being. Um, even better. Um, Kibera and, and, and Thomas, you, you have every right to correct me at any stage, but Kibera, is it now the biggest slum in Africa? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it The is. one outside of uh, Pretoria, I think in South Africa, or the one outside of Cape Town, I think used to be. Yeah, it the, used to be. Uh, yeah. Soweto. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be. Um, but tell us about Kibera now. How many people? Well, Kibera has a population of uh, up to a million people in it. Wow. And, uh, you know, these are people living in uh, an area of uh, about 2.5 square kilometers. I've been there yeah. because, dear listeners, this is how I know Thomas. Um, in taking all of these wonderful young Australians mm -hmm. across to East Africa, where I must admit their their major motivation was to climb Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Uh, but as as Thomas knows, uh, there are times I've we've got forty or fifty. <laughs> One time we had ninety young young people from all across uh, the Australian states, and here they were in Kibera meeting some of Thomas's beautiful young residents of the biggest slum in Africa. Hey, Thomas, if we were to describe, please, the living conditions, and I'm more talking, why don't we just start with the fabric of the house? Yeah. 
What does typically a Kiberan house look like? Well, they're mostly houses uh, built uh, using uh, corrugated iron sheets. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, um, wood. Yeah. Um, and and mud mud floor or mud wall. Remember that so well. Yeah. Um, and uh, the houses are usually around three by three square meters. And uh, the average population in each house is uh, seven, eight people. Um, three by three square meters. Yeah. Now, now, dear people, <clears throat> just stop there. Have a look around wherever you are, and I want you to look at three meters, maybe on your right-hand shoulder, then three meters in front of your eyes, three meters to your left shoulder, and three meters behind you. And I want you to imagine you're talking seven people. Seven people would live, and in that in that house, what are we likely to find? Is there a table? Is there a bed? Well, uh, the that room is actually divided using a piece of cloth. So one side of the piece of cloth is where there's mom and dad's bed, and uh, the kids would normally not have bed, so uh, they occupy the other side of the of the room. And uh, that's where they do the cooking and uh, everything else happens there. And sometimes they even have room to, to welcome visitors like aunties and uncles oh. who visit. So um, as much as it's a small space, uh, you know, they still uh, manage to accommodate others. <laughs> <laughs> Well, dear people, you're already getting a taste of our very, very special guest today, Thomas Nywea. Are you CEO of the Mirror of Hope or do you call yourself Managing Director? I know it's only a title. Uh, well, um, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not very much a man of titles, but I, know. Uh, I am uh, the founder of uh, Mirror of Hope. Yeah. Um, with the help of my lovely wife, Judy, yeah. um, we put together this organization um, that is working out in the, in the slum of Kibera. You better tell us what is the Mirror of Hope all about? Like what, have your, what are your major objectives? Well, uh, Mirror of Hope is, uh, is a community-based organization yeah. that uh, focuses on enhancing access to quality education, yeah. entrepreneurship, and employment opportunities. Yeah. And our target population is uh, vulnerable children, uh, youth, women, and men. And we run different uh, projects uh, to be able to accomplish that. Yeah. Uh, we have three major projects, and one of them, uh, which is very dear to my heart, is the education sponsorship yeah. uh, project that uh, sponsors kids through school. Uh, most kids in the Kibera slum would normally not have an opportunity to go to um, to secondary school if someone doesn't show up to uh, to give them a hand because the costs of uh, secondary school are uh, way over the roof. Um, another project we do is uh, an economic empowerment uh, project for for women, yeah. and uh, we are doing this in partnership with uh, you know Australian Aid and uh, the Edmund Rice uh, Foundation Australia, uh, where we have this number of women uh, that uh, we are bringing together and teaching them different uh, skills that they need to make their lives better. And we are doing this project uh, for the women because, uh, you know, we started with the sponsorship, yeah. but we realized that as much as we were sponsoring kids to go to school, the parents were not even able to raise the amount that the kids needed yeah. uh, to travel to school. Yeah. And so you give the kid money for school fees, but they stay at home because they don't have you know, about a thousand Kenya shillings to transport them to uh, to school. So this is one of the projects we are doing to respond to that. So let me understand that. I, yeah. in, a, in another language, we could say that, that you're actually trying to give the, the mothers, yeah. the working women, um, some micro-business skills so they can earn limited money Limited money might be, for example, selling fruit on the street, yeah. uh, fruit through Kybera, maybe making um, some food item uh, like a, a, a pikelet, um, um, a scones, uh, uh, cakes, um, and, and, and also selling those to their neighbours um, and, and to the people of Kybera. Mm -hmm. Maybe even some skills like hairdressing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that they can, develop 
enough business, enough money for the household to even be able to afford the transport of their children to the local primary school. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, that's that's what we do. Currently, we we are actually have 150 women that are participating in uh, in this project, and we have divided them into seven small groups. We call these uh, Savings and Internal Lending Communities, yeah. uh, abbreviated as SILK. And uh, through this project, we offer trainings uh, in uh, you know the SILK methodology itself, uh, the business trainings, financial literacy trainings. Yeah. But we also go as far as offering them some trainings in you know um, psychosocial uh, and and uh, mental well-being, because as much as uh, they are involved in whatever they are involved in, yeah. uh, you know it's it's uh, one thing uh, to mention is that uh, Kibera Slam has a lot of issues of uh, you know mental illness yeah but that's because of you know what most people go through uh, the living yeah. conditions in the slums are not so good yeah yeah so people um, deal with a lot of uh, mental issues uh, but then even uh, despite all that they work very hard yeah and uh, they are really doing a great job they, yeah. you know we are giving them a hand up you know as opposed yeah. to giving them handouts yeah and and uh, we have realized that's the best approach to develop yeah. yeah and how many children are you sponsoring through your organization and and it and it may be overseas persons it may be persons from africa who through you sponsor the children into quality education but how many children are now receiving that quality education as a result of sponsorships through the mirror of hope well, currently we have uh, 91 students that we are sponsoring through secondary schools. Yeah. And we, of course, we're hoping the numbers will go up soon. Uh, but we also have another 34 we are sponsoring in university and, and uh, colleges. Wow. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's becoming big. And, uh, you know, since we were founded in 2010, we've been able to sponsor up to 287. That's, you know, that's a big number. And we are very proud of that. And... Uh, you know, the sponsorships actually come from, you know, people of goodwill, different people that we have crossed paths with yeah. um, who uh, make a decision to see a child through school. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's worth mentioning that a good number of those individuals are actually Australians. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, we have others, uh, you know, from other countries like the US and yeah. Denmark and all yeah. that. But... Um, Australia has become uh, a, a beautiful home for us yeah. uh, at the middle of hope uh, <laughs> because uh, um, we have uh, experienced a lot of generosity from uh, the Australian people and uh, all these successes we talk about yeah. is because uh, an Australian uh, came across what we are doing and uh, jumped on board and, yeah. you know, we are uh, getting all the support. Yeah. yeah. So what are you doing in Australia right now? What is your purpose for being here in Oz? Well, I'm out here spreading the word. This is my fifth visit to Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I've been here spreading the word uh, for the last seven weeks, just uh, talking about our work and yeah. uh, the impact that is it is creating in the Kibera community and the people I mean, the lovely people that we're working with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is what I love doing, just sharing our story and uh, the story of change and, and how that is, uh, you know, making a difference yeah. in the Kibera Slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, we first met many years ago when I was bringing across a, a young group of Aussies, a group of young Aussies. Yeah. Maybe a, I can't remember what size group it was. It was six at Six or seven. Was it only six or seven at that yeah. time compared yeah. to the 90 that we had one year? Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. But I also remember mm -hmm. that through a, a, a wonderful assistant called Simon, mm -hmm. and Simon took us into our only safari into the Masai Mara and because we normally do our safaris in Tanzania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I just asked him, I said, is there any any charitable work, any community that we can meet and interact with? And, of course, he beautifully introduced uh, myself to you. Do you remember what year that was? I can't remember. I think it's probably 20... 
I, I remember kids coming up to you and I at the end of three days, the first three days of our Africa trip. We haven't even touched base in Tanzania. We haven't even prepared ourselves for the mighty climb of Kilimanjaro. And we've spent three days in Kibera mm-hmm. with the Mirror of Hope. And you have introduced us to their peers. Well, what about even the greeting at Nairobi Airport? You'd bring along 30 to 50 Kiberian um, young people who would greet us off the plane. And I'm talking about kids from elite schools in Australia. I'm going to throw this in and so that the listener understands why our kids got f- frightened mm-hmm. by the greeting. Because half our kids don't even talk to their neighbours, dear people. But when you come into the foyer of Nairobi Airport to be greeted by Thomas and his peers from the Mirror of Hope, then you you do it. You do it better than I. Where you go? How do they do they do it? <laughs> and they attack our kids and it's, oh, you must be so tired. Let me take your bag for you. Oh, you're welcome to Kenya. And our kids would just be looking at each other and saying, who are these um, beautiful tribal um, young people? But it, 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 it would it – would, um, create um, some confusion in, in our kids' minds, mm-hmm. except um, it, that confusion lasted probably the bus trip because then your kids would have the, the musical instruments in the bus yeah. Yeah. at six o'clock in the morning. And, and the next thing you know, they're sitting down beside our, our young Aussies I and mean, we're singing songs together. Mm-hmm. And after we got dropped off at our accommodation, we would then meet your kids and have these wonderful, fun icebreaker interactive programs. Next thing you know, we're actually going to those, to the the, the, the family homes, mm-hmm. the, the the corrugated iron shacks that you were talking about. Yeah. And what about the "We Are the World" process? Oh my God! <laughs> Wasn't that? Describe it to us. Remember the three days uh, yeah. of practice and rehearsal? Yeah. Can you tell a story? Yeah, I think that's that's one of the best things we've ever, uh, you know, got to do. Um, you know, we have this group of uh, Australian kids and a group of kids from Kibera coming together to learn a common song yeah. and then uh, move into a studio and record that. And yeah. then we have this beautiful video of all of us doing a song that is recognized around around the world i think yeah. for me that's uh that remains the most beautiful um yeah. experience with uh you know a group of uh, uh aussie students yeah. and and, yeah. and uh, kibera students i got a feeling some of the people listening to this have forgotten we are the world mate and i think we should just shake it up a little <laughs> right now over here now mate i know you can sing much better than me but <laughs> but can you lead the song better than the old burnster over here here we go we, we are, are the world we are the children we are the ones to make a better day. So let's start giving. <laughs> Did you sing the right thing? <laughs> no, I got the right word. <laughs> Did you say? <laughs> oh, mate. Hey, if you wanna, if you wanna see, and, and now I'm gonna bring it back to the purpose of the podcast. If you wanna see the connection and the love that we created, mm-hmm. just go to YouTube and type in. We are the world, and then put in GI, uh just the letters GI, Global Immersion, and MOH. Yeah, that's right. GI and MOH. Yeah. And up will come two videos that, that when you recognize that the kids in that video had not met each other mm-hmm. three days earlier, and this is who they are in that recording studio. I mean, I used to have kids come up to me and I'd say, we've got to catch the bus now tomorrow. We're going to Tanzania. Yeah. You know, going to introduce you to the Mandela Group of Primary Schools. We're going to run <laughs> Athletics Carnival. They say, no, Bernie, I don't want to go. This has been the greatest. <laughs> Why do you do it? Why do you do what you do? Oh, well, I, I do what I do because I love doing what I do. Um, I'm very passionate about what I do. And uh, I have seen how poverty can uh, 
um, you know, can rip off uh, someone their dignity, um, especially the poverty yeah. uh, in the slum. And I'm doing this because um, I am very passionate about education. Yeah. And that's because, you know, I'm also a beneficiary of someone else's generosity who decided to give me a sponsorship to, to be able to go to school. And so part of the reason why I'm doing this is uh, just as a way of, you know, paying it forward and yeah. uh, saying thank you uh, to someone that gave me an opportunity that I never had. And uh, my wish is to see as many people from Kibera as possible get the education that they need. Not just education, but um, liberating education. Now, I know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask it as if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're not there suggesting to our listeners that you are actually a part of the Kibera community. Yes, I am. Yeah. I am. So you grew up in the slum? Yes, uh, I lived part of my life in the slum. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, the poverty levels in the slum are just, uh, you know, mind-blowing. How old me. were you when you, were you born to the slum or, or did you come into the slum? I came into the slum. Explain. Yeah, um, so I uh, travelled, you know, into the slum uh, and uh, settled there. And uh, you got parents? Did your parents settle there as well, or how old were you when you came into the slum? Well, um, I was uh, must have been eight years, eight years old. Eight years old with your parents? Eight years, yeah, yeah. Um, with my with my mom, and um, yeah. Then one thing happened after another. Dear people, you may consider this an interruption to our current episode. I would like you to see it as a glorious invitation. Why not consider joining me and this beautiful group of Australians and people from all around the world who are trekking to the base of Sagamatha, Mother Goddess herself, Mount Everest. We're leaving on October the 5th, arriving into Kathmandu on exactly the same day. And what will unfold for you are three glorious weeks in which... The power of the Himalayas will speak to you. The beauty of the Sherpas will surround you. And so too will their philosophy of Buddhism. It's a recipe to penetrate your soul and bring you greater peace, quiet and calm. And quite frankly, achieve the objective of this podcast, which is to know how to become a more loving human being. And we're going to start this wonderful three weeks in Nepal by working with and serving 550 disabled children. We built them a brand new school following the earthquakes of 2015. And now it's our, our turn to keep our interaction with them alive, keep on forming beautiful community. Oh gee, they teach us so much. Hey, are you interested? If you are, all you have to do is just text me on plus six one four one two nine eight two four 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 and as a result of that communication i'll have a comprehensive information kit in your hands within 24 hours that will allow you to make an informed decision about joining us please consider it because i know from past experiences that it's an encounter that you will never ever forget Oh, I also hope you won't forget the rest of this episode because what's coming up is ever so meaningful. Please continue to enjoy it. What was the... I've got the funniest of questions. What did you like about the slum living? Was there anything to like about the slum living? The community. Elaborate. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, Kibera is is a wonderful community of people um, who, despite the sufferings, despite uh, the things that they go through, yeah, uh, they can still be able to make you happy. You know, yeah. they can afford a smile, a beautiful smile, and you know, everyone looks out for each other. 
yeah. everyone makes sure that you know like you have to make sure your neighbor is okay yeah um you have to always greet your neighbor by the way you step out of your house and the next person you meet is your neighbor well, and uh, mate, they're, you know, they're only two meters away <laughs> <laughs> so that sense of community yeah is what i love yeah 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 do some people get so used to living in the slum that they find meaning by living with such a community? You spoke about that before. Can the power of community be so great that it actually substantiates continued living in the slum? Yeah, um, because, uh, I mean, there are people who naturally love to live in a community of, you know, loving people, people yeah. who are supportive of each other, yeah. people who want, you know, care about each other. So there are people who are um, actually, um, you know, attracted by that. And and uh, for some reason, they feel like, you know, this is home and I wouldn't ask for more. Yeah. Uh, so they end up living there for, um, for many years. But then... Uh, what we try to do is uh, to actually make people realize that, hey, you know, you can actually uh, make a better community elsewhere. Uh, you don't have to live in such conditions. And yeah. The more people we can get out of the slum, uh, the better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Can, can I ask you, in, in, in all of that experience of that community living, you're, you're referring to your, your church, you're referring to the kids and the families that you serve in Kibera, but you also then get these visitors from the Western world. Yeah. What do you notice is a difference between the Western world kids and the Kibera kids? And I'm not asking you to to cast an opinion <laughs> on what is favourable about the Western world kids because I, I, I have a feeling that you may... You may see things that are so beautiful yeah. about your Kiberian kids. That's a Bernie word, Kiberian, um, versus the Western kids. What do you see as different? Well, um, I think the the Western kids are used to some kind of a soft life, if I may call it that. <laughs> While uh, the kids in Kibera have been hardened by life, you know, and uh, and so... Um, you know, the thing is, uh, the kids in Kibera start uh, taking responsibility of, of, of life at a very early age. Wow. You know, like, uh, for instance, we have families that are headed by kids because, you know, parents died and so they are left alone. And you find a child, you know, being a dad and mom to uh, their, their siblings. And you know that's that's hard enough. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how many Australian kids can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm at a I'm at a place here because I don't mean this for you know all Aussie kids that we've ever taken over there. Yeah. But some of those Aussie kids don't even talk to their neighbour. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and yet um, you know I go over there to Kibera, and as you indicated before. I don't know what your kids are attached to except each other and community and people. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've told you this story before of visiting the same family at Kibera mm -hmm. one year apart. Yeah. And I can't even remember the mother's name, but I remember she had a baby that I used to call the Chook. <laughs> <laughs> you know the story yeah. I'm about to tell. And the second, I'd, I'd met the little Chook, maybe a, a two-year-old, just yeah. barely walking. Mm -hmm. And I came back the next year and I said, Mama, 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 where is the Chook? <laughs> <laughs> and Mama goes, oh, I do not know. I said, Mama, uh, shall we go looking for the Chook? And she says, no, why should we go looking for the chook? There's someone looking after chook. <laughs> you know, if an Australian child was not known its whereabouts to its parents, yeah. there would be a massive search oh, yeah. <laughs> immediately, you know. But Mama was inferring, uh, no, someone's looking after my baby just as I will look after their baby tomorrow, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it, the, to observe, and, you, and I'd like your comment on this, 
the value of non-attachment to things. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, over there in Kibera, they're not attached to their iPhones. Mm -hmm. They're not attached to the fact whether they've got a kitchen table or not. Mm -hmm. um, um, they're grateful for a bed. Um, they're grateful for sunlight so they can get up at five o'clock in the morning to study willingly. Forgive me for saying so. I'm not quite sure our Australian kids would want to get up at five o'clock to study. They're struggling to even do their homework at night time. You know, that, that's, that's not all Australian kids, but it's, it's a comment. You yeah. know. Can you see the value of that non-attachment? Do you see that? And you got any comment on that? Well, um, to be honest, I mean, you know, the Kibera kids do not even have anything to be attached to. Like, uh, I mean, you know, uh, they don't own iPhones or these uh, these kind of phones. And, uh, you know, they are happy with the little things they've got. Yeah. Uh, like just a, a little space to sleep at yeah. night. Um, most of them don't even, you know, uh, have the pleasure or the luxury of uh, sleeping on a bed. Yeah. But I think the value of uh, of this is that uh, it brings with it, you know, you are not attached to things, but you are attached to people, which yeah. for me is 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 the greatest thing. Yeah. You know, because then when you are attached to people, that's how you build a community. Yeah. And that community is what most people yearn for. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't erode their happiness either. This it is doesn't. the thing. It you doesn't. Know? Yeah. And and I mean I'm not 100% sure that if your kids rocked up at Sydney Airport tomorrow that our kids would be given it and and running. They wouldn't have to give the 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 various noises. Yeah. But the running and the greeting and the happiness and the joy and the welcome and the greeting. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I don't think your kids would get that. Mm. So my, my my point is, is that there is some beauty yeah. in th that stems out of the poverty because the, the 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 other side of it all is we learn to work with yeah. and through uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just just makes it beautiful. You know this podcast is about love and it's about happiness and it's about meaning. As a result of all of your human experiences, what is love to you? Well, love, um, I don't know how best to, uh, to define love, but uh, it's, you know, something that springs from within. It's a feeling uh, of connectedness uh, with people, a feeling of, uh, you know, wanting to experience uh, a piece of someone else. Yeah. You know, it could be, you know, it could be your girlfriend, could be yeah. a neighbor um, in the community. It could be anyone. But the very fact that you want to actually share that, a piece of you with others yeah. and make them experience the joy that you experience, yeah. uh, for me, that is love. Well, see, you, you, you don't realize, you may not realize this, but you've just given a definition that is not common on this podcast. And that's not to, that's not to dilute any of our previous guests, but you have immediately gone to that, that that love is not something that only belongs between you and your treasured ones <laughs> it's not only just family love yeah the way that you spoke then is you spoke about love as a perspective towards all people yeah <laughs> i see yeah so so re, 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 respond to this do you do you do you see everyone as your brother and your sister Yes, I do. I do. And uh, I have, I often say I have a lot of brothers and sisters yeah. uh, in the people that I work with, especially yeah. uh, in the Kibera slums. Yeah. Um, that I have to always, you know, show love. Yeah. Because, um, you know, honestly, they cannot be deprived of the life basics 
and also deprived of love by uh, you know by people who have the capacity of giving them that uh, that love. So for me, um, I think uh, I enjoy my work because yeah. uh, I get a lot of love in the process doing the work that I do. Yeah. But that also means that I have to give a lot of love to the many people that uh, are benefiting from the uh, projects that uh, do, do, Does it mean you have to give it or do you, does it mean you find it easier to give it? It, it just happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't struggle with it. No. Uh, it's something that that is inborn you know like i just feel i'm always sharing love yeah yeah through the different things that i do through yeah, my actions yeah. um it's all about uh you know sharing love I, I i think you said something very powerful before that that still has stuck around for the last couple of minutes you you said something along the lines of um while you you they may not have the the substances um, of, um, of of making up a household. They may not have the things, but if they have love, it almost still fulfills their purpose for living. Yeah. At the least, we cannot remove the dignity and the right everyone has to love. Yeah, and that can still sustain life. Sure. For some of them in Kibera that I've seen, to the point where it's enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that story that I read of the, I think it was the Kenyan government who wanted to um, take a section of Kibera and give them new housing. Yeah. And um, on the other side of Nairobi, you know, 40 kilometres away. But if I get this story wrong, please correct me. But the housing that they gave them was high rises. Yeah. <laughs> and they, 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 they transferred the residents of Kibera, not all million of them, but a, yeah. a portion of them, yeah. into these high rises. Yeah. And the Kibera residents, you know the story I'm telling? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you finish it off. What did they do with their, their, their new units? Well, <laughs> they actually rented them out. <laughs> And came back to Kibera. Came back to Kibera. <laughs> and, and some, when questioned why, yeah. were able to explain yeah. that by living on top of each other, they yeah. did not have the same access yeah. to the Kiberian community. Yeah. And they some also explained was that, that some of their best mates were yeah. still back at Kibera and yeah. they couldn't take on this new housing, yeah. brand spanking new units <laughs> compared to their corrugated iron yeah. nine square metre shack. Yeah. <laughs> They were, I want my community back, yeah. you know? That's the, isn't that a powerful story? It, it is, yeah. Powerful story, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's next for Thomas? You know, what, what, where, where, where are you taking the Mirror of Hope? What's its vision? What's its purpose? Well, um, at the moment, what I'm thinking about is uh, building a school, um, a school of our own, a Mirror yeah. of Hope school. Uh so that we can give an opportunity to uh, many more kids yeah. to access education. Uh, just before COVID, we were in the process of, you know, figuring out um, what kind of a school we would want as a, as yeah. a middle of hope. And, you know, um, we were already deeply talking about it and then COVID happened, uh, slowed us down. Mm. But now we are beginning to pick that again. Uh, we would want to build a school, an eco-school, where we can uh, have all our students, you know, uh, studying. Yeah. And uh, that way we are able to impart some of the values, the life-giving values that we would want to see yeah. in our students. Yeah. And uh, create a culture that will be life-giving uh, for these uh, for these students. Yeah. Right now they are spread across different schools around the country. And uh, that makes it difficult for us to even control the quality of education that, uh, that yeah. they get. Yeah. And that's why we are really, um, uh, you know, working hard to mm. have our own school mm. and be able to give uh, 
more opportunities, create more opportunities for students yeah. uh, from the Kibera slum. So if someone listening to this podcast said like, yeah. like wow, there's a great story here and I, I'd, I'd love to – to, to contribute, I'd, I'd love to get involved somehow. Yeah. Um, how could they do that? Like, like how do they? Uh, you could Google Mirror of Hope and, and find out the website. Yeah. Is there a direct number? How do we contact you? Well, uh, you can uh, Google Mirror of Hope CBO or just go to our website, mirrorofhopecbo.org. Uh, then you'll be able to find all the information there. But we are also very big on uh, Facebook. Uh, yeah. Just go to Mirror of Hope CBO and uh, you will find us on Facebook. Uh, we update that every single day with stories of what is happening in the slum yeah. uh, or at Mirror of Hope. Uh, but we're also on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, and all that. Right, right. Yeah. What does CBO stand for? Community-Based Organization. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what is the if if you were to appeal to the uh, the Western fraternity yeah. to say this is our greatest need? What, yeah. What's the greatest need? Our greatest need right now is to put up a school. Yeah, you know that uh, that is our greatest need. But before that happens, we are still working tirelessly to get as many children as possible into school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it costs you a thousand dollars to Australian sponsor. Australian dollars Australian or dollars? Australian dollars. Australian dollars. Yeah. Um, uh, that's about 750 uh, US dollars uh, to sponsor a child through one year of school. Yeah. That will give them um, the school supplies like the stationaries, books and all yeah. that, uniform. Yeah. Uh, that will pay for their boarding uh, so that they can get at least uh, three meals a day. Uh, and that will also pay for the mandatory government fees that they need to pay for uh, for school, and this and we make it very flexible. You know, like um, not everyone is the same. So there are people who would prefer to pay, make a weekly payment to the yeah. Mirror of Hope. Some uh, do uh, monthly payments, yeah. and uh, you know that's how we are getting uh, kids sponsored. Right now, we are uh, all donations to Mirror of Hope are actually tax deductible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if anyone makes a donation. Uh, they uh, get a tax receipt. Uh, and we, we have been able to get that through our charity partner, uh, the Youth Out Loud, yeah. uh, which operates out in, uh, in Melbourne. And uh, yeah, so if anyone makes a donation to Mirror of Hope, they are guaranteed of uh, you know, tax deductibility. Now, you're also attached to or, or associated with the Edmund Rice Foundation? Absolutely. Yeah. Edmund Rice Foundation is actually uh, our major donor. Yeah. Uh, they uh, give us a lot, a lot of funding to run the yeah. programs that, that we run, like the Women Empowerment Program. Yeah. And we also have a youth empowerment program uh, that is funded by the Edmund Rice uh, Foundation Australia. Yeah. And uh, our Women uh, Empower Empowerment Program, uh, what I called SILK initially, is uh, also sponsored by Australian government uh, yeah. through, um, you know, uh, the Australian aid. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Um, so there's the opportunity, dear people, to 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 get involved. The opportunity right now is, of course, is just to understand uh, how how did how did this wonderful man from Kenya, uh, East Africa become such a loving human being as we head towards finishing up thomas teach us please mate if you had to advise anyone listening to this podcast on how you become just happier within yourself um, what what are the strategies what are the actions that one needs to take in order to create greater uh, greater happiness well, I think for me, it's more of, uh, you know, being there for others. Yeah. Uh, because when you see uh, someone else happy as a result of what you have done to them, then that gives you inner happiness. And, uh, you know, that is what has uh, worked for me. Just make yourself available uh, to listen, uh, you know, to people that need to be listened to. Yeah. Um, to give a hand uh, to people that needs a hand, and uh, you know, like I said earlier, that doesn't ha necessarily have to be uh, monetary. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be monetary. Yeah. But just 
presence, you know, the physical presence yeah. that, hey, I'm, I'm here with you. Yeah. You know, that in itself uh, springs some sort of happiness, yeah. uh, you know, out of you to the others. And of course, you will always receive it back a hundredfold. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw a word at you and you just respond to this word, gratefulness, mm-hmm. being being grateful, you know, I look at some of those wonderful people that I've met in in your region, and even though they have little, they're so grateful. Is 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 there a role that gratefulness plays in creating and stimulating happiness? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, being grateful, and and most people, you know. In, in most instances, forget about gratefulness. But yeah. being grateful has a way of uh, making you uh, appreciate what others do or what is available for you, yeah. uh, the opportunities that uh, that you've got. Yeah. And uh, that way, it contributes to happiness. May I, may I ask you to respond to this too? Because as you said that, it occurred to me that being grateful helps you to appreciate what is rather than wanting more. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I, I'm, I'm finding it interesting, and more and more I listen to you, you beautiful people who are on the other side of this journey with Bernie podcast. I'm talking about my guests, yeah. how much you are teaching me about um, letting go of, of the want for more. Yeah. Can you comment on that, please? Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest uh, problem that we have in the world, uh, if I may say that, uh, mm. where people are so focused on wanting more and forgetting to be grateful for the little that they've got. For what they have. For what they have. Yeah. And I think the moment we appreciate what we've got, yeah, you know, that in itself is a catalyst to getting more yeah because uh you cannot just be focused on getting more and you forget yeah uh, you know that there's this little that you've got that you never had in the first place and yeah. you know just be grateful for it yeah uh, yeah and, and it's the old story whatever more you get you're not taking it to the grave no you're not <laughs> and the more you get the more you want that's interesting yeah the more you get yeah the more you want absolutely it's almost like there's no end to the want for more. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no end. Hey, uh, finish it off, good man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've been speaking to a lot of uh, assemblies, school assemblies, yeah. um, various grades. Let's just pretend for a moment you're, you're in front of a, a group of year 11 students. Mm-hmm. Let's forget year 11. Let's call them young men and women. And, um, you know, one of them asks you, uh, how, do, how do I become happier? How do I become a more loving human being? And then the teacher says, oh, Mr. Mr. Nawia, we're about to go to lunch. Can you answer this in a couple of minutes, please? So be succinct with the, with the kid. Mm-hmm. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Three ways. What? How do you create greater meaning in your life? How do you become a more loving human being? Bang, bang, bang. Well, uh, first is learn uh, to be grateful for what you've got. Uh, don't be attached to the things you've got. Yeah. And, uh, you know, reach out to others. Yeah. Uh, be present for others. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I keep telling uh, the students that I speak to in Australia I keep reminding them that just how lucky they are yeah. to be born in, in, in this beautiful country. Uh, yeah. Like I've gone to uh, lots of schools around Australia and you know, even the kind of infrastructure that is available for them to, to study is, yeah. is just mind-blowing. Yeah. Now, the moment they begin to be grateful for that, um, you know, that is the moment that they will realize that they have so much that they don't need yeah. uh, you know to be clinging to more yeah yeah and yet when we visit your country we see some remarkable things yeah like your kids from the slum being grateful 
for any education they yeah. receive. Yeah. So grateful they can't do their homework at night time because there's no light bulb. They will get up at five o'clock in the morning, willingly, joyfully, mm-hmm. in order to do, you know, yeah. their 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 homework. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things to learn from your beautiful people uh, that 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 also challenges some of the ways of life mm-hmm. of our of our of our Western way. Yeah. Which is maybe why your third tip there uh, that you said before was the joy of serving. Yeah. The joy of adding value to other people's lives is not only because of what they walk away receiving from you. It's because of what you walk away with the heart that is glowing and warm yeah. because of what you gave. Mm-hmm. And you, my good man, you have given so much of your life to to so many people, not only, by the way, uh, the people that you serve in Kibera, who I know are very dear to you, given your own foundation. Mm-hmm. But every time, mate, we have brought over a group of anywhere between you know, 30 to 90 Aussies. Yeah. Wow. The experiences that you have given us are, are memorable. And we wouldn't be here today, you and I, in this podcast, um, had we not both been benefactors mm-hmm. of that, yeah. those wonderful experiences. So, mate, I'm, I'm just thank you ever so much for how you've touched my life. Thank you. Over, <laughs> over all that time. And, of course, to be able to have a little pinnacle like this afternoon mm-hmm. having you on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> and giving you about two minutes notice. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I yeah. am so grateful. Thomas Noweer, thank, thank you, you ever so much for so many things. Thank you. But this afternoon, I thank you for being part of our journey, journey with, with Bernie. Barney. Not Barney, <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> That's my Uh, accent. (laughs) Cheers, good man. Do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, good people, what did you think of that? I don't know about you, but I just loved it. But I continue to love these stories and these journeys of people's lives that can give to us strategies and actions and routines and and disciplines and ways of seeing the world, all of which can help us to become more loving human beings, happier ones too. And listening intently is the chipster, Chip Lachlan Huddy, our editor and producer. And as promised, he's about to deliver Chip's take-home pay. A four-minute summary of all the goodness and the gold that we just heard over the last hour. Hey, take it away, Chip. Howdy, 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 listeners. It's a pleasure to be with you here in the cockpit of the inaugural edition of Chip's Take Home Pay. Thank you for joining me, and I'll do my level best to make it worth your while. Well, keep it nice and tight. Today's episode stirred up two big ideas for me. Both of them united under the theme of consciously practicing things we often view as involuntary. The first of these, and Thomas speaks about this a lot in the episode, is gratitude. Be grateful for what we have. Don't always be floundering toward your next want. Now, that's time-tested wisdom. Your mum and dad probably told you something similar when you were a kid. But you know me, listeners, I'm a diehard materialist at heart, so let's put it in perspective because there's a wealth of scientific research on the practice of gratitude. So what do we find? People who practice gratitude live longer are more hopeful, are more optimistic, have better heart health, even tend to exercise more. And that's just a few of the studied benefits. Have a Google. It's fascinating stuff. So how do we practice gratitude? How do we bring it to us rather than waiting for it to come? Well, there are so many ways, but here's an incredibly powerful and well-studied one and my personal favorite, the gratitude letter. Write a letter 
to an inspiring person in your life. Tell them how much they mean to you. Tell them what they've done for you. Tell them how grateful they make you feel. Imagine how powerful that would be. You don't even have to give it to them if you don't want to, but it's an exercise in selflessness and gratitude that will get your head and your heart in such a wonderful space. Second and final thought, the idea of love as an action. Thomas talks about the giving and receiving of love as an action rather than a feeling. He puts himself in positions in which the sharing of love, as he puts it, just happens. Working to help people in the Kyberian slums, working alongside his colleagues in the slums, speaking to school children here in Australia to inspire in them gratitude for the lottery win that is being born in this lucky country. Thomas has made the sharing of love the bedrock of his day-to-day. It's inescapable, simple, profound stuff. How can we do that? How can we put ourselves in positions in our own lives in which the sharing of love is something that just happens? And how much deeper would our lives become if we did this? That's worth a thought or two, and that's where I'll leave you, dear listeners. I sincerely hope you found some pay worth taking home. Till next time, Auf Wiedersehen. Ah, that was gold, dear people. That was Lachlan Huddy and Chip's take-home pay. Simple strategies, aren't they? Just humble suggestions taken specifically from this episode. And you know and I know that if we implement them into our lives, it's just going to help us to be happier, a more beautiful human being and a more loving one at that. And who doesn't want that happening in their lives? Oh, dear people, I do hope this episode of A Journey with Bernie had a positive impact upon you. I can't wait to deliver the next one. Hey, it's just around the corner. Please enjoy this journey of life. Embrace this journey. And in the meantime, dear people, just remember this.